Hey folks, your other favorite host here, Alex. Uh, just wanted to stop in and share some really exciting news with you all. Uh, for those who may not know, we have some big life updates. We launched a Patreon last week. It has been a long, wild ride over the past year, and we have amassed enough of a following where we felt like we wanted to give back a little something extra. And so... Uh, oh, hey, hey, babe, you're doing the Patreon thing. Oh, um, who invited you? Oh, all right. I won't, I won't step on you. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we're just joking here. Zach, uh, is lovely enough to have stopped by to also plug the Patreon. Hey, if you love us and you want to see more of our stuff and you want to hear us dish on the horrible Avatar live action movie, uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. We'd really love it. There are several tiers. Uh, for a dollar a month, you can join our awesome Discord server, and the Cabbage Patch can join the other talking heads on Movie Night Crew Network. And then for $5 a month, you get access to our new bonus content, which we will uh, release exclusively on our Patreon monthly. monthly. That's right. Yeah. There is no pod embossing, say. Guests will come on, they will tell us a movie that they wish never existed, and just like there is no war, there is no movie that... In this world, it doesn't exist. That's right. Join us uh, uh, if you can uh, on our monthly Patreon. If not, continue what you're doing. Go support the Patreon. We love you. Goodbye. Bye. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Hey, uh, what's up, folks? It's time to record that podcast that we do. You know, that show that we, we do each week. Um, the one with the bits and the D&D references and The Last Airbender. And guests. You know, Sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a special guest on the podcast this week. So welcome to Sean. Uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Sean. Sean Watson. I'm Christina's husband. That's right. The uh, the partner of Pod Daddy herself, Christina Khan. And I guess I just uh, stay in the background for the most part, but um, I'm glad to be here today. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we're so happy you're here. Your official recording studio cat wrangler, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wild west of cats. But, I mean, behind every great person is an even greater partner and i don't know where i would be without my better half we i definitely wouldn't have this podcast or it'd just be one of us talking to each or talking to ourselves um which i do enough on a daily basis already <laughs> it, would, so. it would just be the zacco alone episode every week <laughs> <gasps> oh. me getting drunk and incoherently rambling about pot about avatar <laughs> well we're really happy to have you sean um, if you don't mind, can you share with us your story with Avatar: The Last Airbender? What's yeah? What's your what's your history with Avatar? So I think I've probably seen the show um, twice all the way through, but the second watch through was more like Christina just picking random episodes like mm -hmm. she does with Bob's Burgers. <laughs> so um, this isn't a good show to do that with necessarily because there's some <laughs> linearity to it. Uh -huh. A little um, bit. <laughs> but, you know, she has her favorite episodes. And um, I think for a little while there, it went off of Netflix. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, it came back, what? Uh, last year 
Yeah, right before quarantine or when the lockdown for COVID started. Yeah, Avatar yes. came back to Netflix in a big way. You know, the cough heard around the world. Mm. And there was the Avatar on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, that that time in there definitely just fell off. And I I have not seen Avatar in quite a while. But um, I, I was glad to pick it up for this episode. Yeah, it's sometimes it's good to return to an old friend. It is. And I another reason I adore your lovely wife, Christina, is because Bob's Burgers is another fandom we share. Um, and Bob's so and Bob's Burgers. I'm not sure if I met you uh, indirectly at the wedding, Sean. That's how we met Christina. I was at the yes. um, Matherly Corley wedding. And uh, yep. I just remember like, oh my gosh, we're mutual fans of each other's podcasts. It was Love at First Pod. Mm. Yours was Love at First Taco. Ours was Love at First Pod. Love at First Pod. <laughs> uh, real quick, what 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 type of bender do you think each belcher would be? Let's start with uh, Tina. Mm. That's a good I, I'm one. thinking like Earthbender maybe for Tina. Um, she's very steady, very, sh- but she's also I think very unsure of herself at times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm gonna put Bob is probably a firebender. <laughs> that makes he's got sense. the grill. Yeah, that's true. Louise. Uh, yeah, what's, what's Louise? I'm thinking Airbender for Louise. I I was thinking Airbender as well, but she could also be. She's a she's a feisty one, and she's probably the most like Bob. So I would also put Louise as as a firebender. She kind of has Azula vibes like once in a while, don't you think? Oh yeah. But but then again, I feel like um, in the in the air temple, they they whenever they cut back to the air temple, we see a lot of like little pranks and stuff being played, like the cakes going onto the onto the. Uh, guru's heads and stuff so i think it, she could also fit into the air temple just fine and then we got we got gene where do we put gene i think gene's pretty solidly an earthbender don't you yeah that makes sense how about uh your uh what about christina's uh oh my god why am i forgetting the, the mom's name oh linda. that's right linda linda thank you linda is i know christina's favorite character she's Airbender. a youth Airbender? You think airbender? I think a, a waterbender. Or a, a winebender. <laughs> uh, I think she's probably the avatar. She's a mom. She's she the can avatar. do everything. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll take it. Um, so, uh, also, Sean, have you, have you ever played D&D? Like, what's your experience with that? Um, <clears throat> I've played a few rounds. Uh, I think I got up to, like, level two or three. Mm. <laughs> um and our dm kind of leveled us up I, I don't know if it was i think steadily is the right word there yeah. so like um how many sessions was that for to get to level three it, it's probably like six sessions that sounds about right the thing is i feel like people have people have played the first five levels of D dozens of times because you know it's so hard to keep a to keep a group together nowadays yeah. and it's like Apparently, D&D at level 15 or 16 is a totally different game. You're basically a god among mortals, but I've yeah. never never been there before. I've, I've ran I've had a couple of one-shot like mid-level like level 10 campaigns and those are pretty beastly, but I've never like been to epic level before. Yeah, I was always like on the verge of death fighting a <laughs> one of those gelatinous cubes. Oh yeah, those things are <laughs> scary. Oh, it's like a someone left a Jello molds in the fridge What's for too the, long. Isn't and there it came episode of Adventure Time? That's what where, I think of when I think of a gelatinous cube. Isn't there an uh, episode of Adventure Time where Lumpy Space Princess becomes like Goopy Space Princess or something? 
There's definitely um, an episode about, like where she becomes a part of this gelatinous <coughs> creature of some kind. I'm sure, yeah. But there's so many episodes, yeah. it's hard to remember. It's fine. Uh, what did you? What kind of character did you play, Sean? Yeah, do you remember? I'm I'm always a rogue. I mean, I I can kind of relate to the whole like in the shadows kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's difficult for me to play anything other than kind of myself or just like a version of that. Mm-hmm. So, but also chaotic neutral. Chaotic nature. Rogue yeah. is my right. is always my go to when someone's like just getting into D and D and they don't know like what to be. Because Rogue, not only are they decent in combat, they have all these skills that make them an asset to like everyday situations. You know, mm-hmm. if they're like, oh, we need to pick this like lock. MacGyver. The 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 newbie player can be like, oh, I can pick locks, and you know, they get to be included and stuff. We have to jump across this chasm <laughs> off of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> We, I don't know how to do parkour. <laughs> Good thing I have d- uh, double digits acrobatics bonuses. Well, I think, speaking of acrobatics, I think we're going to get some pretty good uh, acrobatics checks this episode mm-hmm. when we uh, meet uh, Ty Lee and May again. And I think there's a moment where the Aang has a pretty good... Uh, pretty good acrobatics check as well so why don't we get into this week's episode well first uh i'm zach and i'm alex and this is my cabbages an avatar podcast I'll splice yes. that into the front of the show because <laughs> we forgot to do the intro yeah um so this is Avatar, The Last Airbender, Book 2, Earth, Chapter 13, The Drill. So I think we can also... So, Sean, I think we wanted to have you on... This was, like, uh, the one episode that when we saw it, we are like, man, we really wish we knew yeah. a mechanical engineer. <laughs> I, I messaged the group and I was just like, does anybody know any mechanical engineers that I could have on for this episode, like about this giant drill? And Christina was like, oh, my husband. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. It's my calling. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, the one out of a hundred episodes is <laughs> just the one. Yeah, That's why. It's like a shiny Pokemon. We're just like so rare, but... <laughs> And uh, you, we put out the calling, and you answered. So thank you. Yeah. What? Uh. In in general, Sean, what are your feelings about this episode? It could be yeah, both personal not, and yeah. a mechanical expert. Having not <laughs> seen the show in like years, I'm curious. This episode being your only like sort of re reintroduction into the show. What did you think? Yeah. Um. So there was a lot happening and I was taking notes as I was watching it. So, you know, I was only half watching it. I kind of tried to watch it back um, a little, little bit earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you can see that there's a conflict there between Aang and, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget names. That's uh, okay. What's the main princess? Uh, Azula. 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 Yeah. yeah. So clearly there's these two characters that, you know, don't get along um, Aang being kind of aloof and just like, I got to protect this city. Um, and Azula, who's like, well, I'm going to take over this city. <laughs> so it makes for some, some good action. Um, it's hard to say that there was a lot of like character development in this episode, but there were a couple that stood out to me, um, that maybe I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah. Awesome. But, um, 
I was really paying attention to that drill, and I have a lot to say about that, but I don't just want to, like, go off on a tangent. <laughs> I mean, we so. definitely want you to go off on that tangent, but uh, we will <laughs> we will wait until the time is right. Okay. Yeah, we just, like, we're going to put, we're going to put the water on to boil, mm-hmm. and then when it starts to steam, then we'll, I'll hand over and pour a cup so Sean can have this week's real tea corner. Then we'll have a drill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a steam-powered um, drill. It is. Well, Sean just shared his thoughts about the episode. What do you think in general? Babe, where does this fall on your Avatar episode tier list? Um, that's interesting. I, I have to probably... And this is by no means... Because, like... If we're going the full scale, right, and the worst episode of Avatar is, an, what, an F tier? Is that how low it goes? Like, w- w- you know, that episode isn't even all that bad. It's it's so, when I say this, I'm not saying I hated the episode, but I think I would I would give it like a C tier. Yeah, I think I think that is, a, it's like right in the middle. It's, you know, not gonna, a standout, but it's also, it's not a standout. But mm. it is by no means the Great Divide. I think I think its biggest I think its biggest downfall is that it tries to be that standout episode and it doesn't really succeed. the The main issue I have with this episode is it feels like this drill literally just comes out of fucking nowhere, and yeah. it like the whole episode it feels like the ending of it feels like it's trying to be Helm's Deep almost. And the thing about Helm's Deep is we had a two hour length of a movie before that battle to build up that battle and establish the stakes and all that shit. And here it's just like, they reach the wall and bam, here's the drill and they got to deal with it right away. And it, it doesn't feel earned, I think is my main issue with it. I think that's very valid. And like, to your point about Helm's Deep and Lord of the Rings, like we see the buildup of them testing or first like breeding the orc high and then tearing down all of the ends in the trees to build the mm-hmm. flames as Isengard like grows into this industrial cesspit and they crank out the um, like the explosives or whatever the powder that they use that is going to like be the breaking point in the wall at Helmsteep. So we do see a lot of build up and I guess just as a this is my one trivia for the sh- the episode like we technically did back in season 1 or book 1. Yeah, an episode of the Northern Air Temple uh when we are in uh the mechanics workshop the like, we inventor, do see, that quirky inventor. Yeah. We do see uh the schematics for some type of drill like machine in his workshop so i'm I'm pretty sure we see this machine the drill Mm -hmm. is pretty directly this machine yes absolutely and it's very it's talked about in that episode where he is making weapons for the fire nation so uh but yeah i do agree where it's just kind of it comes out of nowhere it comes out of left field uh real quick the uh, synopsis the sweet and condensed reader's digest version uh after arriving at the great wall of boston say ang and the gang discover that the fire nation has constructed a great drilling machine to penetrate the wall the drill is also followed by an army of fire nation troops also zuko and iroh are having trouble hiding the fact that they are both firebenders <laughs> not the most well-written summary but <laughs> Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> Maybe every time I, I talk about the plot, I'll just be like, and then they do this, and then they do that, and then, and also, this is happening. 
that's that's yeah th- their tra- their use of transitional phrases could have <laughs> improved <laughs> I, I did like that they said and also though because it kind of felt that way yeah it's like all right let's let's go look at this side story and then let's just cut over here really quick and see what's going on there's nothing linking them whatsoever <laughs> never shall they connect in any way right yeah yeah also it's probably even coming more out of left field for you sean because when this episode aired it technically is part two of the secret of the fire nation it was but it was one episode in 45 Mm -hmm. minutes and people felt they did not go together at all but at the same time we see this build up to them getting to bossing say and the cliffhanger at the end so yeah we we knew the drill was coming but (laughs) it might have been helpful for (laughs) if you had seen like the prior episode I should have looked at uh, the entire episode. Uh, oh, cause, you're fine. Because I definitely like fast but forwarded to the halfway point where it started. That's just it, yeah. though. Is like it really doesn't make sense to be it. Because when when we went to record last or last week's episode, I was like, do we want to do like a a double feature in one and just do like a long two hour episode? And I watched it. I was like, these two episodes have nothing to do with each nothing other. Nothing to do with each other. Other than the yeah. ending of one is the beginning of the other. They have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> So did they show the drill prior to this episode? No. Just within the last, yeah, they see it at the last 30 or five seconds even of the episode where Aang gets to the top of the wall at Bossing Say, okay. trying to get a vantage point to look for Appa. And then he sees the drill coming and then he says, sorry, Momo, I think Appa's going to have to wait. And then boom, <laughs> credits. Like in the last five okay. seconds of the last episode is when we see it. Yeah. So you... You didn't miss much. We we open with like a bunch of glamour shots of this drill. We see it from a lot of angles. We see the like caravan of Hummers driving alongside it, sort of Humvees. Uh, and yeah, and um, then it's it's got this like caterpillar design where it sort of extends out and then shoots these pistons into the ground, and then the next hat like part extends like. Okay, uh, go off, uh, Queen. Sean, I choose you, (laughs) Pokemon style. What what, what are your thoughts? It seemed, it seemed like a little much, um, Mm -hmm. for like how small that actual drill was. Um, seems like it'd be heavy as hell, really hard to power, but you know, they're, they're firebenders, I guess. They have like an almost unlimited source of power. Mm -hmm. But there Mm was, um, water that we saw used multiple times. Um, I don't know where they were getting all that water because they're kind of like in the middle of the desert, right? Well, they, so I guess what you didn't see beforehand was relevant because they there they do there's a body of water that basically leads directly to Bossing Say. The Serpent's okay. Pass goes over a mountain range that basically like comes out of this giant like lake slash body of water. Okay, so they're able to pick some up along the way. I would assume so. Yeah, but still, I feel the amount of water that mm. they have to use, especially if this thing is steam-powered, the amount that they would have to use, it would have to be, like, unless they're reusing it and recycling it. And Um, the slurry just shooting out there, out the back. Mm. Yeah. It's like, all right. (laughs) Um, So we uh, we see the front of the drill. Right. And I, I had to watch back at it because I was like, did they put any holes in the front of that drill? No holes in the oh, front no. of the drill. So, the, so <laughs> what would the dr- what would the holes be needed for? Um, to carry that rock to kind of like go yeah. into that river slurry mess, okay. whatever. But yep. I, I thought that I did see some holes, but those are actually little grinder attachments that are like on the, the front of the drill. Like abrasive bumps. 
Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, that part of it looks pretty cool and, and seems like it would work. They had that um, crow's nest thing that yeah, Azula was, like, was up inside. So yeah. This super extra. extra bridge pops out. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, this the fucking Starship Enterprise was flying through and they're like, engage the battle bridge, and this giant thing just springs up at the top of it? Yeah. Uh, it. That that was a lot of steel, like not just in that, but just like the entire thing, just like so much metal. And it, um, it I know that this is just a, like a, an artifact of it being a cartoon, but it springs out of the thing so fast that I feel everyone would just splatter <laughs> against the back wall or something. They all have whiplash. Yeah, I called it. I called it Azula's lead lead balloon. <laughs> like I don't know if it was hydrogen powered. What there had to be something to get it to go up that quickly. Mm-hmm. But. Some some nice counterweights. <laughs> yeah. What else? So it weighs a lot. Obviously, you know it's pretty tough to move that thing. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a lot of steam pipes. Uh, bonus points for all the red lights that are inside there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um. Apparently, the, the shell was impervious to attack, which is, I, I wouldn't argue against that with all that metal being there. Sure. Um, I mean, there were maybe some weak points where the segments were, but they didn't go up in there. They had like a Death Star kind of maintenance tunnel thing under <laughs> underneath it yeah. that they could just hop right up in there. Because, um, you know, the maintenance guys are lazy. They just, they want to be able to get into the, the thing without going anywhere. So, of course. Easy you know, access. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the the outriggers I actually have a little bit of an issue with those um, the piston things. Yeah, cuz yeah, yeah. they're yeah. they're spiky and like it's it seems like like I get what they're trying to do. They 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 go down out the sides and then they push the rest of the drill forward, but there's not a whole lot there. Like they're using like four of those things for like the entire you know, thousands of tons of you know, they're trying to push this thing forward. It would just like slide backwards. Um, is there but, any like, like even any precedent like for it? Has there been something ever created or like some Da Vinci machine proposed that any in any way resembled something like this? Yes. They talk about it in Oceans 12, I think. The, um, Wild. <gasps> oh, the, you're talking about the the thing that excavates like like highway tunnels, tunnels. and shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real thing. Um, I don't know much about it, but it has been used um, Interesting. In, to dig tunnels. Um, it does it pretty slowly. So I think that they were kind of on the money with that where, but, but also kind of made for like this, they were trying to make it like really built up and like scary and like, Oh, this thing's coming. But like compared to those walls and like how quickly it's coming, it's not like destroying the entire wall you know, we don't have an Attack on Titan situation here. It's just <laughs> yeah. kind of like, poke. Um. <laughs> we definitely, and I do want to talk about Attack on Titan, because this gives me major Walmart vibes. You, you'd think that they would get into the wall, and it would just, like, the Earthbenders would just have the whole, just densely populated, like, all of their forces would be right there, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Or they're, oh, they're, they're Earthbenders. They're Earthbenders, so they can literally just like make like repair the hole instantly as soon as the mm-hmm. as soon as the drill is out of the way let's just keep well, moving the wall backwards and <laughs> encasing the drill there you go yo that that was gonna be similar to my next question like 
if you were put in charge of having to break into Bossing Say, like get through this <laughs> wall, how would you have done it? Would you come up with a drill? Or like, is this like the worst possible thing that they could have come up with? If I did come up with a drill, I would definitely talk it up and talk about how impervious it is and how <laughs> not to worry about that little tuft of smoke over there. Hey, look at that dust cloud. It's so poofy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the poof. That's yeah. Yeah. Poof. yeah that's. I'll, I'll tell you what the um. The I would probably just train a bunch of firebenders to use their because you can use firebending to like levitate. I've seen people do it before. They like it's almost like a like a jet engine type thing. They like Tony Stark their way up and stuff. And I feel like with enough skilled people, you could just scale that wall really easy. (laughs) Or you could Mm -hmm. use steam powered grapple hooks or something. I don't know. It feels like that wall is with the technology that they have. Not all that impervious i just think it's interesting how the fire nation has come together to use their abilities to like make channel their bending into these big machines that are gonna just like that no one really knows how to stop and be on the earth (laughs) just fire firebenders on the earth (laughs) <laughs> like using, using an earth excavating machine yeah. it just doesn't seem uh i don't know <laughs> it's not fire and water um so why didn't they maybe you guys can answer why didn't they use some of their like airships and stuff did they not have them at this point or i think that at this point because we've we haven't seen any um we've seen some very very brief air stuff with the the air temple when the there's like an inventor in the first season that takes basically takes over the North Air, the Northern Air Temple and is building inventions for, for people. And then Aang learns that he's secretly like also making weapons for the Fire Nation. And so that episode hints at the Fire Nation having like airship technology, but I don't think it's... It was balloons. Yeah. It was basically like them just discovering like, like air travel because until then they're it was reserved for the airbenders. Like there really was no, uh, no one knew how to harness that bending power into like some type of technology. Um, it was just like their raw force against mm-hmm. in that element. So, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking the technology is there, but the infrastructure isn't built. They haven't like manufactured all of the warships and stuff yet. Cause we don't see them yeah. for, I think until season three. Yeah, and then, like, they really don't... I don't think that technology really doesn't take off until Korra. Like, when I'm thinking of, like, the big, like... Well, I remember specifically when Aang fights... The the final push of the Fire Nation involves a bunch of airships, because Aang, yeah. like, Aang takes a few of them down, I think, when he goes into the Avatar state in the end. He does. Um. Anyway... Yeah, we they're building their they're built they're keeping it a secret. Like we don't want to know like what they have the full force of what they have in store. So to get us to the next leg of this race, uh, Ang meets up with the gang in the pass, and he's like, "Guys, we got some serious trouble here. Like shit's about to hit the fan, and uh, I mean drill, and it's not gonna be good." So he 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 gets this like earth elevator thing. He uses this chunk of earth to basically scale the wall, which is just another. Ang just seems to be nothing but like, how many ways can I easily scale this wall? <laughs> it's just they, he does go up and down this this wall many times. In this episode. It's just NBD to the Avatar. They build this giant wall, and Ang's just like yoink. He does have his 
his fan, right? He's yeah, got his, his glider, glider, but he doesn't even okay. use it the second time. He just uses the platform. Yeah. You'd think the firebender, if you think the Fire Nation could have paid off a few earthbenders to get their soldiers up over the wall. All these different solutions that are not spend billions of dollars and months of infrastructure and planning to construct a massive drill and slowly caterpillar it all the way to Bossing Zay. You'd think they would have built it, like, did they just build it, like, 100 yards away from Bossing Say? <laughs> that was actually going to be a question I had. Like, Sean, do you think, like, with how fast, like, this thing, or more, how slow this thing moves, mm. like, I don't, do you think that they could just move it all at once, or would they have to, like, build, build it and move it in pieces and then construct mm. it closer? I think they could move it, but um, it would just, like, take so long if you're, like, driving, you know, say it's, like, a half mile an hour or something, or even one mile an hour. Uh, how large are these nations? I mean, they're massive. It's I, I'm I'm convinced that I also that don't the... think... I think they're separated by an ocean. They would have had to mm-hmm. have gone on ships. Well, they, I'm, they could have constructed it in the middle of a desert or something. I mean, I, I could believe that. Bossing Say has its head up its own ass so much that, like, I feel like they just wouldn't even go out and look for it. But yeah. but you you would be constructing this thing for like minimum I'd have to imagine a year or two or a few years right like this thing is just it's it's colossal it's like the pyramids yeah. you just you just throw bodies at it right. like you'll eventually get it done <laughs> you throw human <laughs> suffering at the problem until it's solved oh I that's like there's another tangent I would love to talk about your theory not about how the pyramids were built <laughs> aliens yeah, exact there we go yeah, absolutely. Go. Hang on, I gotta mess up Problem my hair. Solved. No one will see this but us. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, once they get to the top of the wall, they are introduced to... Um, I don't know, like, I guess he is the equivalent of... Uh, He's like the, the, the chief of the of the uh, garrison of Walmaria, of Walmara. <laughs> Um, there, there, just like there is no war in Bossing Say, uh, Walmara is impenetrable. Yeah. It's called Bossing Say, which we learn is the impenetrable city. It's called, not called Na Sing Say. That's right. He has this, like, dad joke that he, that he whips out. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, how you, you alluded to Attack on Titan earlier, Sean. So, are you also a, an anime fan? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I was almost going to call this a filler episode, um, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. Oh, no, you can totally call this a filler episode, <laughs> yeah, no, for I mean, sure. You know, we're not going to, we're not like diehard Avatar stands, but we, if you, if you, if you, if you talk smack about Appa, we can go rounds, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only. Uh, nobody talks smack about Appa and nobody disses Iroh. Iroh can get, like, there are a few moments throughout the show that Iroh is a creepy old man. That's true. Um, but, they, but they're very downplayed. They are. However, yeah, I think dissing Appa and um, hating on Zuka, the best ship uh, those are the only two things that I think could get us riled up, but all other opinions are welcome and valid. So the the garrison chief, who just like an attack on Titan, is just like, nah, whatever. We just want to get drunk, and n- nothing's gonna happen. It's fine. Yeah, no it's been a hundred years. No one's even seen a Titan in a hundred years, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so they, um, uh, Toph mentions Iroh. She whips out the the dragon of the west card and he's like ah well oh. he got in but only for like a second he was quickly uh what is it oh 
He was quickly expunged. So you shouldn't say impenetrable. You should say almost impenetrable with the caveat that we'll, we'll clean up after the mess if they do get in. <laughs> a little longer. Yeah, well, whenever, like, a titan, like, would make its way in and, like, did they, I forget, did they try and downplay it? Like, did they try and, like, if citizens found out, like, what would they do to keep them no, from I mean, talking it, about it? it? The whole, the whole of the, the country knew pretty much immediately when the titans broke the wall in the first episode. Okay. It, That's like, true. The, and, the word spread very quickly. And they were pretty much like, quarantine. Right. Every, everybody out there, you're done. Sorry. Well, they let them all in, and then they were like, all right, you know, there's too many people. Y'all gotta go. You, you don't have to go on, but you can't stay here. And they kicked them all out of the wall. And they called it, like, a crusade or something. Yeah, so then, as they're trying to figure out, they immediately turn to Sokka, because I think talk Sokka is, you know, he's the man with the plan. He's the ideas guy. So I'm the only one who can ever come up with a plan? That's a lot of pressure. And also the complaining guy. That part I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of pressure. I feel b- bad for Sokka. He needs time to kind of think. Uh, but yeah, the plan that they eventually end up coming up with to take this thing down, uh, I feel is quite inefficient. So, Sean, if you saw this giant drill, which you've already talked about, you know, it's construction and you know, um, I think once uh, we can talk about the the mechanics of it later when we get to the schematics, but in just general at face gla- first glance, like how would you recommend that we take this thing down? Like, did the Earthbenders even stand a chance? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I guess I guess for the most part, it's made of metal, so there's probably not anything that can be earthbended or you could water bend. There's there's um, steam in there, mm-hmm. and pretty clearly that thing operates in some way off of steam. So that I mean, they approach it in a different kind of way with water bending later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think that cutting a giant beam, uh, you know, one slice at a time is is time effective. Uh, but yeah, slicing one beam at a time. Just doesn't seem like a good use of their time. I feel like they they were essentially... This is basically what a tile cutter does, right? Like, it just sprays water at such, like, a high pressure that it's able, like, to cut a tile in half without causing it to crack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically were using a tile cutter to take down (laughs) a metal structure. Uh, that's wild. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I think that you're onto something with the steam. And um, this came up in the Northern Air Temple episode, the one we've already alluded to, where the inventor was creating weapons and there's the tanks that like can pro- propel up the wall. And those are what I feel like with soldiers on the inside, just crawling up the wall probably would have been way more time effective. You're so <laughs> fucking right about that. They have those tanks in the the northern air temple version and that would have worked fine on the wall of bossing say yeah. what what could they Just have done in more in bigger numbers uh, I, I suppose those tanks would have been a little more susceptible to the boulders that were being hurled by the earthbenders on top Probably. of the wall the wall the the boulders and also katara was able to bring them down because it used steam to propel them forward so by freezing the water 
or before it became as it was be steam within it just caused the wheels to literally freeze up and just fall off not sure how that's how it would actually have happened but the, i think the concept of steam and converting that which we do see katara do in this episode mm-hmm. um she converts the steam to ice after katara learns that suki is out on the battlefield from an injured soldier they decide oh we're gonna go inside and like death star this shit it's gonna be great and they say Death Star this shit. I thought it was a little weird to lampshade it like that. But, you know, it's who am I to judge? Brian and Mike, you, you got your system. No, they don't do that. <laughs> um, so Well, I'm going to pause there because Sean did bring this up earlier. Like, they have their escape hatch underneath, just like the Death Star. Can, like, the two of y'all explain to me? Because I am not a huge Star Wars fan. I've seen most of the movies. Um but how how did they bring down the Death Star and how does this relate? So specifically, it was a maintenance tunnel, I believe, that was in the uh, Death Star. And so leave it to the maintenance people to always make things easy to access. They so will design things th- in the way that allows them to be the laziest. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's a good reason. thing in We're the real world. We're smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, it's not a good thing for the Death Star or, uh-huh. or for this giant drill. So um, you don't want to have direct access to the core, basically, um, because it's it's a weak spot. You know, people just run up in there or, or shoot a, um, uh, I don't know, someone nope. who bullseyes womp rats will just <laughs> pop something in there. And <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it's called. They're called, they're not called proton torpedoes. That's Star Trek. Anyway, yeah, just put a science word with a, uh, a weapon word. <laughs> you can't you just something. put a science word with a car word and expect it to mean something. <laughs> a laser oh, no. cannon. It's the microverse battery. <laughs> a photon charger. I'm pretty sure it's a torpedo of some kind because they like yeah. they like bend into the hole in a way that Elect- they an be able electron to. torpedo. Go ahead, there you go. That's what it is. It turns out that that's what <laughs> pretty the much. weapon is called. It's an electron yeah. torpedo. Uh, a gamma beam. That sounds like a in a in a like a in a cheesy Star Trek porn parody. They would call the the torpedoes electron torpedoes instead of proton torpedoes. Hey, hey! I think I came up with. If you just need me to come up with a thing with like, if I let's just Mad Libs this shit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> help it. me come up with names for sci-fi weapons. I need a noun. Um. Yeah, what are we on now? After the dumb dad joke. So, oh. so just just before they, um, well, you guys were talking about how they they got the schematic. They they started chopping away at the structural. Um, I don't know if you caught that the engineer that was there, the person who was trying to fix it, he had like a whole satchel full of schematics. So like they could have picked something other than the structural probably. Mm. I would have maybe gone somewhere along the lines of like the moving parts. Like we want to keep this thing from progressing. Yeah, we um, want to so sabotage the inner workings. Yeah, keep keep on breaking steam things. Don't just do the one to get the guy down there so you can use the structural <laughs> right. plans. To Saka, to Saka. <laughs> think about um, what did I write here? Uh, Saka decides that like internal engine sabotage the only thing it's good for is reconnaissance the only thing it's good for is gathering information <laughs> who needs it to actually stop the drill from working um 
Yeah, I mean, Ty Lee, this is where we see her take down all these earthbenders. And once they've healed, Katara gets the idea of, oh, she, we learn here that even though Katara is a good healer, she can't heal someone who has had their chi blocked. It's just in a time where you're just going to just, just walk it out, dude. Like, sorry, (laughs) you'll feel better tomorrow. (laughs) Take some ibuprofen, drink some water. You may be a little hungover, but you'll be all right. Um, and then when they break in and Toph digs this awesome tunnel and Sokka's like, we're literally going to take it down from the inside. But how with all those other schematics, they used the steam to t- steal them. Why didn't they keep that train of thought going? Yeah. He like damages the thing and, uh, he damages the very easily. He just knocks the thing off and shoots steam everywhere. And it seems like wow, this would be really easy to just... It would be way easier to damage all these pipes and use the water within them. I mean, you could just... You could just probably make the water into a spiky ice structure and rip through the pipes very easily or something like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like... Yeah, they they really go uh, go about it the most roundabout way possible. They're like, hey, let's, let's dismantle the structure around it instead of, you know, spending fractionally less time just making it stop moving. It's like getting a single grain of sand caught in like a fan. Like it just like throws everything off. Like you, it it throws off the entire inner inner workings. But Sean, you pointed out how there has to be a lot of water around to keep this place cool. Like oh, yeah. it's coming yeah. through the slurry. But the water that they're using to cut the the metal struts <laughs> is from Qatar's water pouch. Yeah, they're using this tiny little glob of water to cut through it. You'd think that if they had a bunch more water, this would probably be a lot easier. They could make like a circular saw of water or something. Mm-hmm. Is there, yeah, like how would water leak? Is there, because tile is one thing, but this is like huge, like iron, like these would things hold up t- like skyscrapers. Well, there are. Like, is it even possible, Sean, to like get like water? Like how high of a pressure would it need to be going for them to make it cuts like this? Extremely. Um, I, I don't really know how they're just like t- tossing it underhanded back and forth <laughs> and like expecting it to do anything. Um, in they're my using mind, like magical water bending to harden the edge just before they hit the, <laughs> they hit the metal guys. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, it, it, it is it is a little a little head scratchy for to be sure. Uh, there are there like y- there are machines that will cut metal with water, right? That is a thing mm-hmm. that exists. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, I forget what they're called. Well, I was talking about a tile cutter, but like my point is, is like I don't know if like even with if there are tools that could to pressurize water like i mean we have pressure washers like we like there are ways to pressurize water in a way to make them uh cut away or erode things but how i feel like this would take way too long yeah i mean and it it does right it seems like it takes a, a, a long time long enough to where you'd think that they would have attracted somebody out to see what was going on because all of those all of those sort of support struts that they go out on are they have entryways they have doors that lead out to them so you'd think Mm -hmm. that some engineer would would check and be like oh look there's three kids running amok in here doing doing whatever they want maybe we should put a stop to that this is a question i even have Rashawn because like sako just busted out these plans it was like all right 
We got two parts. This thing is the inner mechanism. There's an outer shell. You can see all these yeah. held together by support struts. Like, this is how we're going to bring it down. Like, what makes Sokka qualified to make these sort of calls? How does he know this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he can read a set of plans, or much less, like, know the right one. Um, obviously, the the tech that was coming out to fix that part of the um, drill did not bring the correct or wasn't carrying the correct set of schematics or we could just chalk it up to the gang like being hasty and grabbing the first one they saw and just ignoring the other ones yeah totally possible i uh but where would the why would the why would he just be walking around with the schematics in the middle of the like wouldn't that all that seem and hot like that those papers would just be ruined yeah do all engineers just carry around a copy of every single schematic or no <laughs> it's usually it's usually the one that you need mm. so specifically i think he i think the one that they were looking at would have been like a structural plan um gotcha. but the one that the person would have needed would have been like a plumbing or you know something along those lines yeah so that would have even made it even more right <laughs> yeah yeah, get the plumbing one. Figure out where all that stuff goes. Start freezing some water and busting some pipes. And it's They're like not going to be able to fix that in five minutes. Spoilers, no. but towards the end, I mean, they do figure out to to block the slurry thing out the back. Yes. And if they had done yep. that from the beginning, they probably wouldn't have needed to go around and like slice through all these beams. My. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, but the drama. But it's the cool. drama. The drama. We do it for the gram. Yeah, Ang. Gotta do it for those likes. Ang is being all smart, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, you do all this stuff, and you break their stance, and then boom, yep." And it's like, okay, Ang, that's great, but this is a giant, like, thousand ton, like, steel death trap. It's a little. It's a. It's a. It's a, li- it's a little bit different. <laughs> I even feel like thousands of tons. This is, is way it, millions is or hundreds of thousands yeah, of tons. Yeah. Yeah. More than you can imagine. Right. So my my question is, what is the purpose of this outer shell? It seems like it's just a lot of negative space. Is is there a is there a I guess maybe to protect it from harm? Why does it have to be so far out of the engine? Is that overheating? Like, do you have any insight on that, maybe? No, they just like over engineered the hell out of that thing. <laughs> I like, think that's kind it, of that might be the reason. Everything's just super extra. It, it does make sense that cutting one of those beams would not take it down. Yeah. I completely believe that. Mm. So good job, you know, whoever designed that part of it. They did their job. Sokka's convinced though. Like they, they take down the one beam and then they, they hear the thing shake and he's like, Oh, we did it, guys. Mission accomplished. Let's get out of here. Let's <laughs> take, I, let's, take I, down the <laughs> shaft of the drill itself and see if it, you know, snap that thing. Yeah. And then the drill's not gonna be moving. Also, uh, I have to put it out there. I just have to put it out there and we can move on. The drill is a giant dick. It is. It's just, it just is. It, it's very, very, very phallic. It's very dildo-esque. It is. Um, it is. Oh, um, uh, God, what's the, it's, it's the bad dragon of the West. <laughs> no, what's, is that, is that what that, that site is called? What's the name of that website? The, ne- uh, the naughty, like where you can get like fantasy, like yeah, dildos fantasy made. dildos and stuff. I, you got I think me. it's bad. I think it's bad dragon. <laughs> bad dragon of the West. I mean, that's what they call. That was Uncle yep. Iroh's brother. It's bad dragon. 
That might be the title of this episode. You're Plug welcome, Sean. Uh, <laughs> you didn't you didn't know that uh, you needed that have in your life, but now there's it exists. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> yeah, like in sure. more ways than Thank, one. Thanks for the yeah. yeah. Thanks for that that plug. Speaking of plugs, uh, no, nah, that's that's coming later. Um, so we get a brief uh, cut away, and we won't have to jump between these two plots a whole lot because we can probably just sum up the 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 jet and iroh one pretty quick here they're like they're sitting out in the in the sort of collection area and they're they're sitting around they're waiting and uh somebody walks by with some tea and he's like oh tea the best tea in bossing say and i was like oh tea and of course it's going to be garbage it's a it's a roadside stand i mean sometimes that has the best stuff right sometimes a roadside stand has the the tastiest confections ever but in this case it's just cold tea and it's really sad uh, just really sad to see iroh have to like choke down a cup of tea is the worst cup of tea he's had since iroh or since zuko tried making him tea earlier on yeah and before that like the only other time that Ty- iroh has actually like wasted or spilled or gotten like bad had a bad tea experience <laughs> was when uh he found this flower and it's like, oh, this flower will either be like the best cup of tea or a deadly poison. <laughs> and he picked, he picked very wrong. But before we even got there, uh, Iroh was like, he wasn't being a creepy old man. He was, he was, uh, laying it on thick with, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mama Wu in, uh, the fortune teller episode. She's going to be, really upset with really Iroh. Jealous. Like That's she, right. she, she knows that someone's messing with her man. Cause he was laid out really thick with that customs agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His charm role here was, yeah, he, uh, he nat 20 to, <laughs> he cast that charm spell really, really good. Um, so then we get a cutaway to jet and he's talking about the, he's talking about those two and he, he's like, he's like, but guys, but guys, he's he's cute. He's kind of he cute. <laughs> he's well, cute. <laughs> from yeah, that I thought about that too from R- Rudolph. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he's trying to rationalize with Snowerby and um, what's the other guy? Oh, long, long shot. shot. Yeah, yeah, long shot. Sounds like an Overwatch character. To join their gang, <laughs> and uh. Snowy really points out that like, hey, I thought we were straight edge now. Like, <laughs> you know, we can't do drugs or drink, not in front of the kids. Uh, but Jet and the Freedom Fighters sound so edgy. They need some. They can be just a little bit bad. Mm-hmm. Jet Jet wants to break. He's like, oh well, they'll help with the refugees. Like, it's okay. Like, we we we're we're not going to do anything bad. We just you know need someone to come join us. It's not the dark side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have cookies. The dark side doesn't have cookies. Uh, um, yeah. And so uh, Jet goes to pulls. He sees Iroh and he sees Zuko standing there. He brings him Zuko over and has his heart to heart. And it's like, no one understands us. No one understands you better than me. We can just run away together and live our lives. And no one can tell us what to do. And we can just pretend we don't have to pretend anymore. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Zuko straight up just rejects his offer. Yeah, Zuko is just... The he heartbreak. Just, he, he just can't be tied down, you know? I mean, literally, uh, he's been tied down in the past, but he's always gotten away. <laughs> <laughs> Those tots, knots weren't tight enough. That's right. Fa- he failed that. He did not get the, the nail tot knot or the knot tying merit badge. Man, can you imagine? Were you a, were you a, a Boy Scout ever, Sean? Uh, I don't know if I made it all the way to Boy Scout, but I did do like the Cub, the Cub Scouts. Scouts. The Cub yeah. Scouts, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting that Boy Scouts ju- is like literally a level, whereas the Girl Scouts it refers to the organization, and everyone's a Girl Scout. Then <gasps> Iroh is actually because the tea's cold, uses his fire bending to heat the tea, and immediately that gives him a way to jet and. Um, that, that's just like, it's, it's a no-go. It's a deal breaker. I don't know. I would, would, if you were in the world of Avatar, if you found out that your date was a firebender, would that be a deal breaker, Sean? Well, as a Slytherin, I'd have to say no. Oh, so you're a Slytherin. Mm -hmm. Interesting. See, I, uh, I like to classify myself as a Slytherdor. I'm very, uh, I am not chaotic neutral as yourself. I'm lawful good. So I uh, very much ascribe to the courageous sticking up with your friend, goody choose shoes, uh, Gryffindor stuff. But I'm also very uh, private and I'm very competitive and ambitious. And I will uh, undercut to get to like where I need to go and slither in. I'm hairy. I could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what makes you a Slytherin? Oh, I don't know. Ask Tina. Did we uh, did we ask you what kind of bender you would be, Sean? I don't think we did. I'd say probably Earth. Earth? Yeah. I'm a Taurus. I'm down to Earth. I'm just, you know, pretty solid, stable. That yeah. checks out. You're mm-hmm. also you're also Tina's rock, so you better be a, a sturdy, solid uh, piece of earth. It's like Apple being like, you know what? Everyone already has these headphones. We're gonna completely change and take off the. Um, well, as they finally they decide that oh, this is too much. Um, we can't take it down. This is too much energy. It's going to take too much time. They're going to bust through the wall before we even take this thing down. They're so, like, man, this thing has this thing has BDE, big drill energy. <laughs> uh, it is a big drill, and they uh, are doing the opposite of what Ron Swanson would do, where they don't half-ass two things. <laughs> Whole ass one. Yeah, they're half assing like, like every single beam on this on this <laughs> on this drill. Like they, Toth has been teaching Aang to not give one hundred percent with every strike, and you eventually are able to unbalance and use your opponent's weight against them to bring them down, which is smart. I mean, I think that like being that steady, um, it's like almost like a water on a stone, like that constant drip, just like 
wearing down over time versus just coming out of the gate swinging. So it's a valid strategy. (laughs) But Sean, do you even think like if they were able to make small cuts and weaken it, would it, would that be enough? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, quick, quick engineering tangent. Do it. Um, Go. Usually when, when I'm not a structural engineer by any means, but, um, you know, we kind of like touch on some of that stuff. So we've all played Collie Bridge. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) There's this thing called a factor of safety. So usually when you're designing something to stand up, you give it a factor of safety. So, you know, you need, you'll put in 200% of what you need or 150% of what you need. Mm -hmm. So, um, that would be why that one beam going down didn't do jack. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So if you do at least half of them, I think you'd be all right, but think how long it took them to get one done and then think realistically how they could have done all those other ones. I, I don't really know. Yeah, unless it takes the drill literal hours to get through the wall, which it didn't seem like it. It seemed like it was was punched through in like a good 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's also uh, like how long. I mean, I know it's really hard to get a gauge. It probably depends on like the type of material, like what the wall is built with and how thick it is. But how long would it take this drill to actually get through? Hmm. titans can just like bust their way through <laughs> yeah well it, it takes all the colossal titans gotta do is kick yeah yeah and it, it i don't know how long i mean it it didn't seem like it was going very fast um it probably i'd say they could do like drill six inches forward in like a couple minutes like a minute or two okay and then i don't know how thick that wall is it's pretty it's probably pretty thick it looks to be you know a good, I don't know, like tennis court length, maybe in thickness. Yeah, like fifty feet thick, maybe, mm, which is right. way thicker than most walls that we see. Mm. Yeah, but but well, uh, you know, when you're yeah. when you live in fear of the titans, <laughs> you gotta you gotta build those walls thick. Even when they are building those walls, who is to say that it's all just like stone? So we cut over back to um, Iro and uh, Zuko, and Zuko catches Iro firebending his tea we already talked about this while you were gone we did it all in one episode well you, you we yeah we cut and we said that i like uh what's his name um jet found him bending the tea after he rejected zuko but did you talk about iroh crying over spilt tea um <laughs> no we you can add that it's very very sad to see iroh crying over spilt tea that's all i wanted to say it was very sad and it was really shitty tea, too. <laughs> yeah. I, well, apparently the tea was not bad once he heated it. The main problem was it was it was cold. Well, now that Iroh is crying over spilled tea, Sean, you should spill the tea. What's your, what's your issue with this drill, my man? Yeah. So I imagine that they have like a full-time firebender or benders that are kind of like creating this steam. So one question I have is... A waterbender versus a firebender. If the water is inside a pipe, can they, like, A, can they affect it? And B, if so, can they convert it back into water faster than the firebender can turn it into steam? Jeez, those are both good questions. I don't know if they can bend through the metal. I think they could. uh, I think the water, I don't think, like, 
Is there is there any suggestion in the in the series previously that like if something is encased in a certain material, it can't be bent? Because we know that you can bend something without looking at it because Blood Toph is blind. Blood bending, yeah. Blood bending was going to be what I brought up, mm-hmm. but also I think yeah, I mean. Katara was able to like extract the water from, you know, the scroll last episode. Like, I think if she really had to, she could have found water like in a non psychoactive cactus. <laughs> yeah. When they, when they get the jump on that engineer earlier, she freezes that steam like instantly. She's just like flash yeah. and frozen. And I just have to imagine that yeah. it would be relatively easy to do that in a pipe. I think it would come down to physics. I think. What it, which happens faster? Does it take less energy to convert water into steam than it does steam into ice? Like it's in a gaseous form. Oh, that's a good question because I did thermodynamics and mechanical engineering. Um, and I think that it takes more energy to go from a liquid to a gas and back than it would solid to liquid and back also the the fire nation or the fire fire benders aren't affecting the water directly they're how they have to use their element to heat the water katara is using the bending which kind of supersedes physics right the the magic of bending kind of has its own logic to it yeah and i think that her manipulation of the water itself is always going to be more powerful than fire benders using their element to temper the temperature of the water yeah, I think if she, um, if they could find a moving component that is either relying on the steam or, or would not be able to like compress water itself, cause water's not compressible, but steam is, um, then if they turn that into a liquid or freeze it, then chances are it's going to cause some, some damage. Yeah. So. And also those pipes are going to have to be hella hot because in order to convert mm-hmm. the water into steam they're prob they're having to probably heat the pipes mm-hmm. that's that's how my how i'd be guessing the the firebenders are are working in that in the steam rooms that also has to be brutal because yeah, really we, will will we see um as the gang is like after they cut that first pillar and they're like yeah we did it um we get an announcement and they're like we've hit the wall congrats <laughs> and once they go through and have this breakthrough of well maybe we just half ass it and do it a little bit then they'll all just kind of like it will compromise the structural integrity um and they finally have done enough damage where azula and may and tylee up in their led zeppelin uh, here over the intercom, they're starting to get all these reports from out the the, the drill of mechanical failures. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you were talking earlier, Sean, about like that factor of safety, which is really interesting. Like, do you think like and when you build some type of you know machine or like any? You said you're not a structural engineer, but whatever type of uh, you know invention or thing that this is. Aren't there going to be, like, safety measures in place to, like, when something goes wrong, like, before they've managed to, like, get through at the machine? It's like, how are they just now finding out about this problem? (laughs) You'd be surprised. (laughs) I would think there would be a security detail. Apparently, there's a bunch of soldiers that are supposed to be coming. Like, have a security detail on the underside of the drill. It moves, like, 
at the speed of smell. You, you can keep up with it by just walking underneath of it. Anyway. I, I feel like um, this whole episode, like every every side of, you know, the battle that's going on, it feels like everybody's kind of understaffed. Like there's just yeah. like nobody. Um, you, you compared this to Helm's Deep, like in a bad way. And I think that that is the reason. Because I, I think if they had like 100,000 Fire Nation people, it would be a lot more impressive than mm-hmm. six. You know, or like however many they have. Um, same thing with the Earthbenders. You know, they they have fewer than fifty probably that I saw. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's just it feels like a battle, like this huge battle, but like between twenty people. <laughs> so. Everyone else is on a lunch break. Yeah, it feels like there has to be millions of people in this city. You'd think that they would have at least yeah. a garrison of, you know, uh, 10,000 strong, at least. And they've got time to get to that part of the wall. That There's no excuse there. Right. And they, it's not like they didn't know that this drill was coming for days. I'm sure they could have seen it coming, like, by Thursday. They were like, there it is. <laughs> it's, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna swing around to the other side of the wall. It's coming to this point right here. I don't think it can I turn. I think maybe it's kind of... Yeah, I'm not sure if it can turn or not. They oh might have God. had to construct it in a straight line to where what they if, want it to go. What if we take Bossing Say and push it somewhere else? I think it's like two things. It's kind of like the mentality of like the Roman emperors and just the rich uh, people in Rome. They were just like, oh, we're Rome. We're, we're badass. Like, Rome will never fall. Like, no one would ever try to attack us. And then, you know... <laughs> The sex is gonna be like, hey, sup? I'm sure if Titanic, if if you told an unsuspecting person that d- had never heard of the Titanic that Titanic is a fictional movie, they'd be like, this is so unrealistic. Why would they have not have enough lifeboats? I mean, it's crazy. Well, I mean, why would they not have enough lifeboats for the? And it's like, of course, because we live it's in a unsinkable. capitalist society and people are cheap and uh, lots of things get in the way of safety. When, but when, it was more so hubris. They literally sure. thought it was an unsinkable. They said, we don't need, we do not need the boats because it will just, um, it, we don't need it, it will never sink. Yeah. But they they had more in for the ne- a correct number of people, but they cluttered up the deck. So for aesthetics, uh, they took out the mm-hmm. required number of boats. <laughs> This, the, the cost of Concordia, I mean, the Titanic, will never sink. Um, If there were ever... I've been making Titanic references since the very beginning of this podcast. And I think of all of these... Like, this is the most Titanic of all episodes. Mm-hmm. It has wait, to be. Wait, so what is the Titanic? Is it the wall or is it the drill? Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, I was just thinking about... We were trying to tie Armageddon into this because they're like a bunch of like blue collar drillers. But at the end of the day, I was like, I can't decide if the drill is the drill the or if it's the meteor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't exactly shake out to be a perfect metaphor. I think that's a great question. Um, I think for me, it probably when it reminded Sean, you brought up how like it couldn't turn. Mm-hmm. Um, that remind that's actually what reminded me of the Titanic because it was they were going too fast and they couldn't like as they were trying to turn to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if this actually would like check out, but like they like some hypothesize that if they actually just had hit the iceberg head on versus like you know 
trying to turn and then just scraping the sides of it that punctured like the holes in in the sides across all the the bulkheads that it might have actually not yeah it was the glancing it was the glancing scrape that caused the damage to the titanic if it had been in direct collision the front would have flooded but Mm -hmm. the the flood chambers would have been able to keep it keep it afloat so likewise this drill should have been able to turn and turn quickly um, <laughs> yeah do you think it was just a mistake like they were just out there with the drill like boy we sure are glad we b- built this giant desert drill oh no what's that a giant walled city oh we're gonna hit it oh no <laughs> well that's also a thing that i didn't understand like i feel the way this thing moves is very inefficient like in states like they use the steam to piston parts of it forward and it like then those pistons on the side to like kind of mm. crawl and it's almost like it just like a caterpillar like inching forward. Yeah. But I feel that um I feel that it would have been much more efficient if it was just like on treads or like rollers underneath, kind of like a um I mean, and you could still have it on treads and still have it be segmented like a caterpillar. Because I do think that you probably get, you cover more ground pushing outward than you do trying to like slowly turn tread. I don't actually, I don't know. <laughs> this is the, like, yeah, if they had made it like a tank, mm-hmm. would have that been more efficient? Probably. Yeah. I, it might have been, I mean, it was pretty impregnable aside from that stupid maintenance thing underneath. Yeah. You just walked right up in there. Just like uh, <laughs> the which, which intern Brian left the hatch open. <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. The one time, <laughs> so, where they were all out there smoking. That's the only place they could smoke a cigarette. Otherwise, like it would have set the whole thing on fire. So they had to smoke an ash out. They're smoking uh, in the steam room. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's bring this let's bring this train into the station here. Ang decides to go to the front of the drill to like land the final blow, and when he gets there, he gets pelted with a bunch of rocks, and he's like, "Hey, squid throwing rocks at me!" And it cuts to the people, and they have like a f- very fairly Odd Parents esque moment where he's like, "Tell your soldiers to stop shooting rocks down here, soldiers! Whatever you do, don't stop shooting rocks down there." Yeah, and. Katara and Sokka, they've been chased by Tylee and May, and they are instructed to like follow them at what all costs when they get to the slurry pipe. They're just which conveniently just appears and like, ah yes, we escaped through here, like we'll be safe. It's like, how do you know where this goes? Yeah. How could could they? I don't even know if they could survive. For something. all you know, that 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 slurry gets further ground up by a bunch of like glancing blades further in the system. You don't know. Yeah, it could it could be like Chicken Run. It just t- puts them through a thing that turns them into pot pies. I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but when they were saying that, like, oh, the slurry, it's just like water and ground up dirt slash gravel, mm-hmm. like. That concrete, they're basically making concrete. Yeah, yeah. So there is no way, like, all of that stuff that's coming out the back, that it's going to be that. I feel like it would be much more viscous. It just... Yeah, more poopy. Yeah, more <laughs> yeah. solid. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> is this because it looks like this is also what was being used like this slurry was not just an outcome of or of course you're gonna have to find something to do with all of the earth that's coming out of the front but is this it looks like they were also using it as a cooling mechanism so does that check out like would you can you use cement to cool a giant drill <laughs> Um, I guess they could use the water, uh, I, I, like they could turn the steam into condensation and then maybe make that condensation go out the back. I mean, I'm kind of grasping at straws here, but. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, you have to know the schematics and the perfect like <laughs> physics of how this giant fantastical <laughs> machine works. <laughs> it it feels like the sl- the abrasiveness of the slurry's gravel would probably not benefit the cooling that they want it to achieve. I have to imagine that it would cause a lot of friction. I might have missed that part. So they were using it to cool down the drill? Well, so yeah, I mean, and this isn't really, I mean, it's stated on like Wikipedia and in other places we like looked for like info and stuff, but they mentioned that, yeah, part of the, mm-hmm. part of the purpose of the slurry is to run through the, on its way to the back, it also like doubles as a cooling agent. Okay. But I have to imagine that it wouldn't be as effective as just regular water. Most of the um, the the friction heat would be at the front of the drill. I would think it's kind of like a wet saw um, mm. where, you know, you've got like the water that's cooling it down and keeping it from becoming so hot that, you know, you're just starting to melt metal or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Would it also make sense if they were like, in, does it make sense to us be using a drill to like cut into this giant wall or would it make sense to kind of be almost using water to wet the surface so it makes it like more porous or like easier to kind of cut into versus like metal against solid rock yeah it cuts down on the dust factor that's usually that's what they use it for so you know safety Mm. it's top of their list so congrats fire nation Oh my gosh, the one part of the episode which was OSHA compliant. Yeah, they don't need to wear face masks because there is no dust. Yeah. They were none of them were wearing hard hats though. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah, the Katara and and Sokka get spilled out the back in a covered in the slurry. Uh it does not look pleasant. No. And the Toph comes out and she's like, Hey, y'all look really silly. You want some help? And they're like, Yeah. And so they go to they go to they go to give this bad dragon a butt plug. Uh, and I don't even know like Katara was able to hold up Tai Lee in this giant force of the water, and I don't doubt like her ability to do it at first, but there would be so much pressure. Yeah, I don't think she'd be able to hold it back just by herself. Like, there, we need, like, we have an entire group of men just trying to get these earth pillars to shoot up out of the ground to prevent the drill from moving forward earlier in the episode. And meanwhile, Katara is just able to hold the pressure of this entire wall of water as it fills up and backs up this giant drill. Also, <laughs> you have like days to haul something up to the top of this i'm just saying you'd think that they'd have some they'd they'd have more than just like watermelon sized boulders to pelt down at this drill they'd have like 
big, big rocks that they had carted up there that they could have just let gravity do its job. <laughs> Overall, why don't you take us? Yeah, what were you going to say about the about the the plug at the in the back? So this butt plug. <laughs> this butt plug. It starts to back things up. And um, I wrote down that that sounds like what would happen. Um, you know, your your water helps to kind of carry away that debris from the from the wall. Mm-hmm. So as the system kind of backs up, then your drill would become no longer effective. And then what they showed, which was the water kind of splatting out at the, at the wall, um, I think that that would happen. And then at that point, it would not be very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, it would, you know, it would eventually clog up your drill bits and all that stuff. So at that point, I think that the, the drill bit was kind of on its last leg. And then you're saying the the collapsing, the structure was almost like, like insult to injury. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like what what we talked about with the moving parts, like Mm -hmm. backing all that stuff up kind of stops all that from moving anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, like Sean said, um, the drill comes basically (laughs) the drill just, I mean, what else is there to describe it? It just, it looks like a giant bossing say money shot. Let's be honest. It was very, um, it was just everywhere. It was just everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> oh, God. It's everywhere. It's like, it's like Anakin's, uh, when Anakin's complaining about sand. It's like, I hate sand. Picture Sokka doing that line, except it's slurry. He's like, I hate slurry. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Well, I think that when, to my point earlier where I asked, they're basically making cement. So this coming out, this force coming out the back, it's also a giant, like, cement mixer. And it just all comes out the back. It's way too thin or runny that I, I think it would have been thicker. But then who, how do you clean this up? Like, cause <laughs> if you don't, like, if they are trying to go with the mantra, like, there is no war embossing say, there's nothing to see here, folks. Just ignore this giant drill bit that is sticking out of the one chunk of this wall here. Like, how did they clean this up? Like, like, it's, you can't just take a bunch of water and wash it all away. Like, I feel that all of this stuff would have dried and like cemented itself to the wall. Like, do you just build out the wall? Like, do you just chisel it off? Like, there's so many questions. Well, at the very end, where Aang, he's fighting with Azula, they've already taken care of Tylee, and May just kind of excused herself. She's like, eh, I'm gonna chip a nail, so <laughs> nah, I'm good, fam. Um, and I'm not sure, we've been talking about anime, have you watched Hunter Hunter, Sean? Mm-mm. <gasps> Ooh, Hunter Hunter is a good one. It's a, it's a, just a solid shonen. If you want an, a really good, well-made, have you ever seen Boku, uh, Boku no Hero, Hero Academia? Oh, Hero, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, where it's like, it's just a, a shonen character who we want to root for, and just okay. when we think that he can't get more powerful, he somehow does, and it feels like, good. Like One and Punch Man. Yeah, it's it's well, it <laughs> One Punch Man is very much the opposite, I think, of that of that framework. It is sort of the deconstruction <laughs> oh, okay. of, that, of that. Yeah, because in One Punch Man, he's making just, fun of it. Yeah, he's just already godly. He's he's so bored because nothing gives him a challenge anymore. But in, in, it's just a, Hunter Hunter is just a solid shonen. It does the formula and it does it well. Mm-hmm. You grind until you get really good at that thing. And then you find another obstacle and you 
grind some more. <laughs> push through with the sheer power of will. As uh, Azula and Aang are having their battle on the back of the drill before all haywire and swoops and Aang gives a final death blow. He is, Azula is coming at him and she has her nails are perfectly manicured to points. She has these why not karapika Kilua. Kilua, thank you. That's I right. always Kalua. Kilua who is an, who is <laughs> Kilua who's the assassin and is able to, you know, spoilers, take out so their his nails to use them to attack his enemies and take their hearts out before they even know their hearts been ripped out of their body uh which is terrifying Mm -hmm. um that's what i feel like azula she's she's like i'm gonna cut a bitch (laughs) azula's moves in this final battle are pretty rad um yeah it's, it's an interesting fight we definitely get a moment of tension but it's very fleeting and uh, the battle is basically over. Aang brings the, the hurt down, like, wrestler style. He basically, like, climbs on top of a couple of stacks of, uh, of fold-out ladders and uh, gets to the top of the ring. It makes the, it makes the joke, if only I could metal bend. Yeah, he does, he does mention metal bending. Which is the first bending. reference to, to metal bending in the entire series. He's like, I'm going to bring the hurt down on these bitches. And, like... Brings his elbow down on the on the drill and just um, you know collapses it. Makes this giant like peg out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wedges a little rock in there and uses his Thanos gauntlet. Oh, he makes yeah, that's right. He makes a fucking Thanos gauntlet. I forgot about that. Yeah, snaps its fingers and like half <laughs> of the the world's uh, ends. That's how, like, that's just, like, where the Fire Nation, that's why they were really upset over population. Yeah, well, the Fire Nation just winks out of existence, and Aang goes down in history as uh, the, the, zen- the Xenocide. <laughs> Aang the Xenocide. <laughs> well, um, and, yeah, so, bring us home, Sean. How would, like, how would have this thing actually just collapsed? There's already, like... It's the book plug. It's backed up. It's yeah. constipated. It's not feeling great. <laughs> it's basically a balloon at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like as intense, but yeah, it's all pressurized and just it can't take anymore. It's it's weakened. You know, you, you hit it with one a lot of force in one spot and just takes it out. Nice. I like well, the shockwave there too, where um, gosh, I always forget her name. Azula. Azula just mm-hmm. gets blown away. From the sheer force of the spike going into the <laughs> drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a good touch. And but do you, I wonder if with that much force and that much pressure built up, like would it liter- would it, all of it just have leaked out like it did, like out of the joints, or would have it had exploded? I think we all want it to explode. Yeah, I'm with Sean on this one. I, I think it would have been really cool if it exploded, but I don't think it's realistic that it would explode. Yeah, they've got they've got two shells. They've got the inner shell and the outer shell. So that may, yeah. All right, <laughs> there we go. So there was something. <sighs> My hopes and dreams of that big Hollywood Mythbusters. Mm-hmm. Y'all came in and ruined the the big <laughs> final movie ending we all wanted. <laughs> well, it's like um. Like Tom Scott on YouTube, and he does a whole he does a whole video on explosions. He's like, "This is the explosion that you expect from Hollywood," 
And then this is a multiplicatively more powerful explosion, and it looks, you know, it looks like nothing because it's based in shrapnel and stuff, and not like mm-hmm. a big fireball. Um, we get well. We get to the end of the episode, and the entire time, it's it's a good day for everyone except if you're Azula and the Fire Nation, which they now have this giant drill. They have all of these Fire Nation folks literally on the front doorstep of Boston say they're and they they just they just end like what happens to them they were right there they were so they had to have taken some as prisoners right like or mm-hmm. how how did they get away yeah <laughs> they they don't they were all traveling in this giant drill like they can't just all like start running through the desert <laughs> the earthbenders could just turn into we know we have their sandbenders they could just have like made like a an earth canoe or a like <laughs> wakeboarder i don't know and just surf to like catch up with them i just can't believe that they were able to get away i feel like by the end of this episode they're like all right guys we gotta wrap this up <laughs> yeah the episode is just it's it's that one one shot in the campaign that the DM like over engineers the shit out of and the players find some like dumb overcomplicated solution to the problem and he just throws up his hands and goes, Alright, well I guess I guess that works. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Roll with disadvantage. Oh, you passed. <laughs> Packs up his DM's guide and fucking leaves. Gosh, they did yeah. They uh, they spent all the budget, big budget, on the drill, and mm. that like they even the writers when they started this, they're like, yeah, there's no way, like this is where they're gonna actually break through. And Aaron Ehas comes in and is like rewrites the whole thing and is like, no, the gang's gonna win. So they're like, well, we don't have good ways to bring this plot there together. So we just bring the gang together for one more victory shot and Sokka, who this entire time has been trying to... Yeah, pitching ideas for the Avatar team name. Team Avatar. Alright, he's good effort. Team Avatar. And for the third time, and Katara has her Mean Girls moment. Enough with the Team Avatar stuff. No matter how many times you say it, it's not gonna catch on. Sokka, stop making, trying to make fetch happen. It's never going to happen. Uh... <laughs> Very briefly, I remember my first game jam I ever went to uh, is where I met Sam, the um, friend that has almost met Alex like two or three times now. Um, and when we got to the end of it, we made some space game that was about like using gravity of planets to like, it was like kind of like an Angry Birds, but it had gravity wells. It's like Angry Birds in space, but before they made Angry Birds in space, they stole my idea. And... <laughs> We we go up to the end to present, and they're like, "Shit, we don't need a name. We need a name for our team. We we don't." And Sam's like, "Don't worry, guys. I thought of a great name for our team." And so then, like, I'm like, "All right, well, cool." And so then he, the guy looks down at the piece of paper, and he's like, "Um, the space team is that?" And Sam's like, "Oh yeah, it's us." <laughs> I'm like, "Space team, really?" Before the um very popular game Space Team came out, uh. Um, anyway, gang, uh... Famous before, you know, you made it. Yeah, the Angry Birds in Space and Space Team. Two games, two legendary games that were brought about by a single, uh, game jam at a community college. Uh, so gang, uh, Al, Sean, um, I think it's time to hand out some experience points. Uncle, do you realize what this means? I won't get to finish my game. Shouldn't there be a board or some pieces or something to jangle? I won Dungeons and Dragons, and it was advanced. Evil? 
or maybe chaotic neutral. The Demogorgon! <laughs> We're deep shit. You've been shot by an arrow. Ow! Well, there'd be penalties to her experience if she acted out of alignment. So we pick our crit fail and our crit success. So which character, like, beefed it completely? Mm-hmm. Like... That's your crit fail, and then whoever, you can define your crit success however you want. Whoever had the best time, whoever just, like, you yeah. know, was able to defy the gods. In, <laughs> like D- they, in they D&D parlance, it's usually any action that would involve a role of some kind, and if they beef <laughs> that role, or if they, like, you know, crush that role. Yeah. So, if you're letting me pick. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're each going to pick our own. Okay. So, for me, uh, the crit fail would be War Minister Ching. Mm. because he's just all about this drill i feel like he personally oversaw the construction of this drill and he's just so proud of it yeah and he's like nothing could ever sink this drill no iceberg no nothing and um yeah it just doesn't work out for him and and he gets a death glare from azula Mm -hmm. oh it wasn't probably a death glare it was literally the last person he saw look at him before he was put to death fade to black there (laughs) it's a kid's show we can't we can't show it um but yeah definitely a a star wars uh darth vader choke out moment there yeah for sure that Um, is a very good crit crit fail and then i guess for my crit success probably specifically the final blow from ang just because nice. they just build it up so much. Like I imagine that if if he was playing, if if that character, someone is playing Aang as a D and D character, they'd be like, yeah. And I run up the wall and I do this gainer and I just like fist pump down onto the. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like describing all this badass. He like gets a nat twenty, and the DM's like, all right, how do how do you do it? And everybody groans <laughs> yeah. because they know Aang's going to take a million years to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, I I spin a, a air ball and I I go up the wall. Oh, both very good choices. I would have to say my crit fail is Jet because you ruined a perfectly good relationship. You could have followed Zuko into the dark. You could have. Uh, but as soon as you found out that he was a dirty firebender, you just gave up and ran away, even though you have all this baggage and uh, you have you have also killed people and you have resorted to the same tactics that the Fire Nation did to uh, that you were fighting against. Uh, I'm just so mad. Jet, uh, just like an iceberg in the Atlantic, um, has brought down this ship. <laughs> Uh, but um i think it was also though a little bit of zuko too because zuko Mm. was like no i'm not gonna help these refugees i'm not gonna join your gang i'm just gonna uh he's still too caught up in his honor i think um zuko was like we'll always have the boat times (laughs) right um it was just not meant to be so that was my crit fail my crit success weirdly enough was a very specific moment. It was Aang as he just hung upside down from the emergency oh, like yeah, mechanics cool. air shaft and was able to like hup, 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 just <laughs> rolled like three really or two really solid acrobatics checks in a row and was able to just grab on Katara and Sokka and throw them up into 
of the drill like it was NBD. I know him as a monk. Like, he has good acrobatic skills, but to draw, like, he definitely had a, like, crit, and he was just, the DM's like, all right, just keep rolling until you fail, and mm-hmm. he didn't. He just rolled three three in a row. Um, <laughs> it was it was pretty perfect. I had a friend in a campaign once that had, like, a monk with a plus 12 acrobatics check, and he would just, for any reason at all, just use it. It would find an excuse to use it. It'd be like, oh, there's a doorway. And everybody'd be like, all right, we walk through it. And he's like, uh, I do a running backflip through the door and uh, rolls the dice. I make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you play, uh, you said, uh, Sean, you like playing rogues. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you stock into acrobatics at all for your rogues? Um, I think so. Uh, it's been so so long since i've had to assign skill mm-hmm. points <laughs> oh no i know <laughs> but um yeah a little little bit of charisma you know like if you have to like definitely nothing in strength just no you know but you know intelligence is nice but probably more what's what's like your guile uh that i think would be i don't know because intimidation is strength. Like wisdom, maybe? Wisdom, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Or intelligence. It, or maybe even charisma. It's always tough for me to just put all the points into one thing. But, like, I, one day, I hope that I have the balls to do that. <laughs> you will. It's like, the, and it's, when you do, it's amazing. It's funny. I used to call that the dump stat. Like, I, I used to understand the, the term dump stat as the stat that you dump all your points into. But apparently it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Everybody else knows that term as the, the stat that you throw away because it's not important. Like if you're a barbarian, <laughs> yeah. your dump stat would be charisma. Yeah. Yeah. My dump stat is always charisma. Always. Um, so uh, <laughs> my crit fail is Iro for heating up that tea in front of fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. Not a good look, Iro. Firebenders are not welcome in Bossing Say. And you just outed yourself, my dude. <laughs> Um, it's actually a trap. That's how they uh, yeah. get all the fire. That's how they uh, catch yeah, they them. They hand out tea. <gasps> they hand out cold tea. <laughs> it's really cold tea. small. <laughs> but hey, also don't be hate. Like clearly, they're not uh, northern. They're northern firebenders. They're not southern firebenders because we like our tea iced in the south <laughs> <laughs> and very sweet. Um, I don't like sweet tea. Am I? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what my crit success was. Uh, and I think I'm coming down to... There's a moment in the drill where Aang is, like, fighting with the boulders and stuff. And and Azula shows up. And he's like, Momo, get out of here. And Momo is like, okay, peace, fam. And just fucking fucks off. And I think it's Momo for knowing when to bail. Yeah, but then Momo also comes back in in the clutch. And as Aang is about to fall off the side of this drill as it's falling apart, he... Momo rescues him mm. and he's able and he's like, thanks Momo. But yeah, like, uh, like Greg universe says, um, there's no shame in bailing and Momo knows when to bail. Nice. Well, I think, uh, we were, we were pretty close. We, yeah. we aimed for nine o'clock. We did really well. Um, so at the very, uh, end, I know that as an MNCN classic, when we have guests, we do plugs. You've just been watching something good or reading something good lately, and you want to pitch whatever it is that you're enjoying. Okay. we've So, okay, I know, th- I know that probably a lot of people have already seen the show Loki. 
Um, but I thought it was pretty good. It's a good plug. I liked I liked it quite a bit. I, I've also seen it. Yeah, and and I'd say if you if you haven't seen it, and you're also one of those people that just likes to binge stuff, I saw that it is due for a second season. So yep, just it's wait. Coming. Yeah, uh, just wait and watch both seasons at once. That's honestly what I might do. It's the and first then you time... can be that person who's like talking about it that like nobody mm. cares, you know. <laughs> Like me with Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen uh, Owen Wilson on screen in years. And I mm. think him and Tom Hiddleston have really, really great chemistry. I was so sad that we didn't get a wow. I know. Just like a Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. That's crazy. I'm sad that we didn't get a Lokius pairing. And uh, yeah. my favorite tweet that I saw, people who stan... Zuka have the same energy as people who ship or stan uh, Lokius. I like Moki better. That was a really good plug, though, Sean. And yeah, no, I appreciate your your advice to people like me who like to wait and binge it all at once. I'm going to plug a show that we recently picked up again called Making It. It's a very cute show. It's a reality-based like competition show where a bunch of makers build like big crafts and it's hosted by uh, Amy Poehler and um, Nick Offerman and Nick Offerman of Parks and Rec. And they are just delightful as hosts mm-hmm. of this show. It's like the great British bake off. Of Exa- it has the makers. exact same energy. Yeah. But for makers. And it's a little goofier. Yeah. It's so good. And they are the hosts, but also the judges. Or No, they don't. They are the judges. But just them as the host um, mm. is the perfect energy. Uh, that's a good one. My plug is going to be um, actually a book that I'm reading. I haven't finished it yet, but um, as a tribute to my best friend, and I finally, I'm like almost there. I'm like with around the corner to finishing it. Um, but The Last Sun, uh, which is by Katie Edwards, and it is his first debut novel. Um, and it is part of a series called The Tarot Sequence. And it is a fantasy slash light sci-fi. And it is... <laughs> I love it, and I can't wait to read the second book, and I can't wait to read more and, and see what's and in making store. It, making it is on Hulu, by the way, if anybody wants to watch it. Anyway, folks, that uh, that's going to do it for us. That's our show. Uh, our, our music is by Jay Curtis. He's cool. He's my brother. He makes good music. You can find us on Twitter my, at CabbageCast or email us. Drop us a fan letter um, at mycabbagecast um, at gmail.com. And uh, um, that's that's gonna do it. We're, we're I'm Zach. I'm Alex. I'm Sean. And this has been my cabbages, an Avatar podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. Tip your waiters and waitresses <laughs> and uh, uh, channel your inner benders. Um, go walk your dogs and uh, have a peace and love. Have a drink on us. Bye. 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 Bye.